Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths. And this podcast, I am proud to say, is ranked in the top 2.5% of the most popular podcasts globally. And honestly, it's all because of the incredible guests that come in here every Monday and every Friday. And I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game. And they show up here willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. Now, these are not people who hold back. Their goal is to share with you the essence of peak performance. And my guest today hits every peak performance you can even think about. Jason Nemes says that the most pe- that most people are stuck in average, and average is a very dangerous place. Average is where complacency and comparison rule, and it's where the daily grind leaves you dissatisfied and longing for significance. And it's where you wind up when you take life as it comes instead of taking control. And there's good news. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? But the good news is you aren't destined for average. With the right code of behavior, you can have the life you want. And Jason knows firsthand about the power of having the right code of behavior. After living the wrong code of behavior, his life was a series of negative consequences. They're terrible. His mom had kicked him out of the house. The party life left him addicted and empty. Then when he was 35, this shocked me, when he was 35... His choices caught up with him, and he had a major heart attack. It's time to make some changes, wasn't it? So determined to create his best possible possible life, Jason changed his code of behavior. Jason, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. Thank you for sending me your book, The Code of Behavior. And I think I mentioned to you that I was gasping and clutching my chest before I made it all the way through Chapter 1. Thank you so much for having me here. Yeah, uh, most people get pretty emotional when they read Chapter 1. It's, uh, I almost it didn't make it. Territory. I had to yeah. sit. I put it down. I literally put it down and walked out and went out to my backyard and dug my toes barefoot, you know, stuck my, my, grass in the, my toes in the grass and kind of re-grounded mm-hmm. before I – because the 35 heart attack, on top of everything else, I was like, <laughs> I had to literally go outside and take gulp in deep breath. So it's a fascinating story. It's a, I don't even know how to say this properly. It's a cautionary tale. And thank you for being here to share that with us. Yes, ma'am. Again, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I mean, top two and a half percent podcast worldwide. Congratulations to you. I mean, that's huge. Oh, it's all because of y'all. I will tell anybody who will listen, I first of all, I get to know you on my podcast, and we always stay in touch somehow. And I really consider the people that come onto this podcast and share their stories and their cautionary tales and their tips and tricks to be my mentors in so many ways. So thank you. So I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time because I think you have a lot to share, I don't, meaning that I don't want to keep interrupting and chattering i want you to tell us you know you're, i know you're a health and wellness expert you've got a lot going on so to and you're known as and this cracks me up the tatted prez so we talked talk yeah. about yeah <laughs> talk to us about how you got where where you started where you got how, how you're here now and what's with the tattoos anyway i gotta know <laughs> So how I got started with my entrepreneur journey, is that what you're asking about? No, I want you to tell us the beginning, you know, where you you darn near lost your life. You know, talk about your mom and everything that happened yeah. to the point where you said, I've got to fix this. There's, listen, I'm, I'm a nerd in stilettos, truly. I mean, I... <laughs> have a computer uh-huh. science degree that nobody cares about. I dream in code. I'm constantly dinking around with code. And this is a terrible thing, but I will look at some people, because I'm a nerd, 
and say they've just got bad code. You know, some people have good code. Mm-hmm. Some people don't. So, you know, you you got me with code. So keep start talking. I'll get out of your way. Cool. So, I mean, I'll just kind of talk about where I come from. Uh, I, I come from, uh, I'm from Plano, Texas. I have, you know, middle-class family. Uh, both parents from the north. Dad is from Brooklyn, New York. Mom is from Ann Arbor, Michigan. They both made their way to Texas and found each other. Uh, um so my parents split up when I was one. It's actually fascinating. They got back together when I was 16, and they were each other's dates for my basketball banquet, um, which was very awkward because, I mean, I had never seen them together. But, uh, you know, as a kid, I, I learned to use it to my advantage. Um, but it, it was cool to see them, you know, back together for a bit. But, yeah, so – and I, I thank my dad still to this day – because single parent households are pretty common, unfortunately. Uh, and my father was there to pick me up every week. He always paid child support. And uh, I also thank my mom because she never used me to like get at my dad, you know, and uh, that's pretty common these days. It happens a lot where one parent will use the kid to get at the other parent. I always, I just, I make sure to thank my parents and just let them know how grateful and appreciative I am that my dad was there to get me every week. And my mom, you know, my mom was so cool. And as I got older, I wanted to spend more time with my father. My mom would just be like, Jason, you have school tomorrow. Make sure you're home by dark. And I would go hang out with my dad and we would go, you know, do whatever. I mean, play basketball. That's really what we mostly did play basketball, go to an arcade. Uh, and yeah, it, it was, I had a pretty good upbringing, even though you know, we weren't rich by any means, which money, I mean, it's, it's definitely not everything. And you learn more and more about that as you start acquiring more and more things. Um, and so, yeah, so, so that's my childhood. And I graduated high school in 03, which is crazy, almost a 20-year high school reunion coming up which I'm excited about. I, I've been saying this for years. I'm, I'm going to do my best. And so I always say I'm going to make it happen, but I don't know if I'll be able to due to rules and regulations, but I want to make my entrance in a helicopter. Like I want to fly in a helicopter and have doves come out. I don't know why. I've just always been envisioning that. So uh, we're going to make it happen. But um, so graduated high school in Plano. I ended up in and out of community college, just not really knowing what I'm wanting to do with my life. And it's, you know, I I went to college because my parents wanted me to. And so I I was in, I was out, I would drop all my classes and the next semester I finished one class and then the next semester, maybe two classes. And I ended up getting a pretty good job. I I was actually a door to door salesman, but we did very well. It was when the Verizon Fios market just launched and, the AT&T U-verse market just launched, which is fiber optics for TV and internet. So we were going all over the country selling and we did pretty well. And then all of that tanked and I ended up getting back into school. I went to the university of North Texas where I ended up graduating from. Uh, So I was back there from 23 to 27. And then I ended up taking a job in the corporate world. I sold digital media advertising and I don't know if I said it, but I got a BBA in economics. So I get into the corporate world, and mind you, the entire time I was in college, a buddy of mine was trying to get me to join him in a business venture in entrepreneurship, and I just couldn't see it. Like I was so focused on I got to go get my degree and get into the corporate world because, I mean, that's pretty much what we're taught. And for me, it's like I tried to do the entrepreneur thing before I already went and I attempted it and I failed. I shouldn't say I failed because there were so many lessons, but it didn't work out the way I wanted it to or I envisioned it happening. So now I need to get my butt back into school and get my degree and then take that route. So I did that. And then, I mean, when I was in college bartending about 12 hours a week, I was making like four to $5,000 a month. I was working at some high-end lounges and stuff. But I will say for me, the environment was horrible, right? Uh, definitely not worth the money that I was making at the time. So I ended up graduating college with that BB in economics, got into the corporate world, and I accepted a job. And, uh, man, the, the, the money was just not good. I'm, 
I'm working 60 hours a week now, half my income, more than that. It was like $2,000 a month after taxes. And I'm like, this is just not going to work. Like I need to do something, but I didn't know what. And so I ran into the gentleman that I told no to for the opportunity. I ran into him and check this out. So we, uh, we ran into each other. His birthday is April 4th which is also the significant day of uh, Easter last year, which is when I had what happened to me happen, I guess I should say for me, but that's the same day. Uh, so April 4th, 2013, I ran into him. And it's funny, I ran into him because of doing what I had been doing for years. A buddy of mine asked me to go hang out with him at a birthday party. It was like new women, new scene, partying, drinking, because that's, that's how I live my life. I mean, I'm just going to be straight up with everybody. That was my focus. That was my priority. And, uh, and, and so that day, I ended up running into him. It was that, that night. So uh, Bricktown, Oklahoma City. Mind you, he was extremely successful. He was already a seven-figure earner. He could have been anywhere in the world that he wanted to. And, uh, yes, he was living there, but he could have traveled wherever. But, yeah, we ended up at the exact same spot. We used to live together way long ago, and here we are. And it's like, what the heck are you doing here, right? And we're both just kind of, like, looking at each other, dumbfounded to see each other in Bricktown, Oklahoma. And, uh, yeah, I, I was very attracted to his energy. I'm like, this is not the same person that I once knew. This is not the person I told no to to that opportunity years ago. And, uh, yeah, thank God, he didn't listen to me because I made fun of him. I had so many things to say. It would never work out. I was the biggest critic, but he saw something that I didn't, and he didn't let my opinion become his truth. And I always tell people, you got to stop taking advice from people you want to trade places with. And it sounds so simple, yet people complicate it because they are taking advice day in and day out from people that they wouldn't trade places with. And it's like you know not to do that, but you're doing it anyway. Uh, and it's like a sub – they do it subconsciously. They don't even realize they're doing it. And then people that they would trade places with, they don't take their advice. They make fun of them. They have everything to say because they're doing something a little bit different that maybe doesn't match the norm or what they've always been told was the way, right? But it's like if you're – I don't know, you know, late 20s, 30s, 40s, and life's not working out. Maybe it's time to look at it a different way. So I noticed that, again, I noticed he was just a different person, and it was very attractive to me. I was like, man, this dude is like, he is sharp. And so went back to his house that night, and, uh, I mean, there was a huge group of people that went for his birthday. You know, we were all hanging out. And, uh, I mean, the house was just unbelievable, beautiful house, cars unreal. And I was like, okay, so what he's doing, it clearly works, doing very well, obviously. Who he is is phenomenal. Like the dude, the way he was carrying himself and speaking and treating other people, it was just almost something I've never seen before. Somebody was that, doing that well and still so humble, willing to help, wanting to help, pouring into people i was just like man this is awesome and i wanted to be a part of it and so i went ahead and i got going with him and uh yeah i mean i may may 1st 2013 i had a trash bag of clothes and i lived in my buddy's living room um and uh three years later i had a seven-figure business so pretty cool and you know that's of course there's so many things that happen in between those years uh, from when right. I first got started to being three years in, seven-figure business, a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, heartache. I mean, you name it, loss of – I mean, I, I lost my little brother. It's just so many things, but that's life. So, yeah. It is. And I was listening to you, and I was scribbling. You know, while you're talking, I always do that. I'm like, oh, I have to go back to that. But the way you're describing <laughs> your friend and his energy and your – response to this kind of new person that you were meeting all over again and I kept writing down the word entrepreneurs entrepreneurs the thing about entrepreneurs and a lot of people don't either recognize this or even think that it's possible but we really show up as servant leaders we want to help yes. we don't want to 
hoard it or hide it or, you know, show off in our, our Lamborghini but not tell you how we got there. It's right, amen. Entrepreneurs are the most generous in my experience, and I've been around a lot of them. I consider myself to be one or a solopreneur, whatever you want to call it. But mm-hmm. we are generous, almost sometimes too generous. But that's how we got where we are. We're not thinking exactly. in the box, so to speak. Listen, I went back to college later in life, got a got a degree, promptly told them that I would never work for another company and opened up my own company in my office in yeah. my <laughs> third bedroom, and I've been here ever since. Yeah, it's just wow. we, we're going to forge our own path, I guess, is the path that I'm you know, trying to take here. And it may not sound like the right thing to some people at that time, but down the road, they're going to remember you. And they're going to remember what you're saying and say, oh, that was five years ago I heard that. Now I get it. Now I'm ready. So don't give up. Amen. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I so I don't know if I said it, but I told him no for the four and a half years. I'm, yeah, I did say that. Right, so it's like I told right. him no. I went to college for four years, right? And I got my degree and then I get out and just months later, I start, I joined him in business. And I mean, everybody has their time and it's not, it's not, no, it's just like not right now. You know, people have to be willing to receive it and they have to be ready. And you just, I always tell people, don't make people feel like negative or a certain type of way or not like what you are doing because you put a bad taste in their mouth about it, you know. Don't make people wrong for feeling a, type, a certain way. Well, and not everybody has the mindset or that deep down need to do something on their own by themselves. I mean, obviously, we don't do things by ourselves, but our creativity comes from us. And then, as we build out teams, we get creativity from them. I mean, you can't do yep. it all by yourself. You just can't. I learned that the hard way. (laughs) Don't ask me how. (laughs) But but here's the thing. I mean, people who are in their heart and soul creatives, they're entrepreneurs, they're not going to stop. They may have to work a job. They may have to get eight college degrees. It doesn't matter. They're not going to stop. They're not going to give up. And we're going to help other people as best as we can. That's just how we operate. Yeah, I feel it's my duty. Well, especially after what, what exactly. happened. Exactly. That's like, what I was trying to it, get. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes, ma'am. It, it is my duty to, like you said earlier, servant leadership, to serve and help as many people as I can on this planet win in life. Whatever that looks like for them, whatever their definition is of win, help them achieve that. Exactly. So let's get to your heart attack because that was a year ago or a little bit more. That's the part that had me go, yeah. oh, gee, go yeah. outside and yeah. dig your toes in the grass. I was like, and yeah. You started out I, with I that I do every story. day still. Uh, yeah, yeah so every day when I wake that. up. Yeah, cool, cool. So it was actually – so I've had two heart attacks. Um, The first one – the first one I was actually – I didn't even know until later on because it was minor and it went away. So I'm just going to talk about all of it. So the first one was minor, and it went away. Didn't even know it was a heart attack. Just thought I had a pain in my chest. The way that I figured out that I had some heart stuff going on in the very beginning, I was living in Nashville at the time, and I joined a gym, Orange Theory. It was attached to my building. And so I end up going in for a class. And for those of you who don't know about Orange Theory, there's a lot of cardio getting your heart rate going, right? So I get on the treadmill. And I start running, and I notice I'm starting to get some pains in my chest, right? But when I was at a lower heart rate, nothing, there was no issue, just like every day. But my, when my heart rate was going up, I was having some problems. And then I would slow down and everything. Like once my heart rate and blood pressure were lower, like, you know, back to a normal range, everything would be fine. So then I would pick it up, and I was like, maybe I'm having an off day. So then I would, you know, two days later, I'd come back. And then I tried with my boxing coach. I found a new boxing coach in Nashville because I had just moved out there. And then it's starting to happen again. And I'm over here thinking, like, my boxing coach probably thinks that I'm quitting, that I'm giving up, and that kind of stuff messes with me because, like, I'm an all-out person. Like, I'm giving it my all. 
But I told him, I was like, I literally can't breathe. So, because it was on the left side, I was like, man, something, I just, something doesn't seem right. I want to go get some tests done. So I go get some tests done. My ultrasound and EKG at rest were perfect. Okay. So the cardiologist, I, I told him I wanted the chest test done. And the cardiologist, he was like, man, you are in incredible shape looking at you. I was like, thank you, sir. <laughs> you know, and uh, so he's like, you're in incredible shape. And both of these tests came back perfect. I don't really think you need an old, uh, a stress test. That's what he told me. And I was like, man, I, you know, I appreciate that. But here's the thing. The only time I have a problem is when my heart rate and blood pressure elevate. Therefore, it makes sense for me to do the stress test. Like, to me, I didn't understand why he would tell me that because I'm already fine at rest. So obviously, it would make sense that the test would show that I'm good while I'm at rest. So I do the stress test. I get there, start running. And if you haven't done a stress test, I mean, they, they exhaust you. Like, you are at exhaustion. I've been married. Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> no, I've never. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been married stress. yet. No. <laughs> I, I haven't done a thing. real stress um, test, but I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's funny. If my dad's listening, he's probably cracking up right now. Uh, so I um, – so I, I do the stress test, and right when I get done, they lay me down on the bed. They're like, are you okay? Like, they're kind of going – they're kind of freaking out a little bit, but they're trained to stay calm. And then so one of them stays with me. One of them runs out into the hallway and is, like, yelling for a doctor to come in the room. And I'm over here like, yo, what is going on? And then they're telling me to calm down. I'm like, you all doing what you're doing is causing me not to be calm. You know, like, what is happening? So anyway, doctor comes in and he was just like, you okay? Are you dizzy? Yada, yada. And I was like, well, I, I was pretty dizzy, but I'm feeling better now. And he was like, so, uh, so really, you know, the people that are in that office that do the stress test, they're trained obviously to read the stress test. They know what's normal and what's not normal. And so what, what they saw was my heart wasn't getting enough blood flow to it at a higher heart rate which makes sense why I was starting to get the pains in my chest whenever my heart rate or blood pressure would elevate and I was good at rest. It was only when my heart, you know, when my heart rate was up because there were issues going, there was issues going on with my heart and the blood flow. So I got a schedule done. I, I got it scheduled for the cast lab. Uh, cast lab is where they go in to shoot the diet. And they can actually see your heart and see what's happening. So come to find out, I had a hundred percent blockage at my Widowmaker, but in the airport when I had that sharp pain, my heart grew from the good side to the bad side, the part that was blocked. It grew from the good side at the bottom, attached all the way over to the other side to get blood flow over there, which is what it, it stopped me from going into heart failure and possibly dying. And so that's why I was gonna at a, at a regular you know resting heart rate, but whenever my heart rate accelerates and the blood flow and it needs more blood flow, right? There's not enough to, to get to the, to the heart because it's got to pump more. So what was funneled over there was enough to, to keep me okay at resting heart rate. So they end up scheduling me for the surgery. So they were actually unsuccessful the first time. Because in the beginning, they didn't know it was 100% blocked yet. So when they put me to the cath lab, they had a person who is, I guess, a regular person that does stents. When you have like 99% to 100%, you need a specialist because when they go through the artery walls, they have to be very careful because if they nick one of the walls, it can cause internal bleeding. So I had a, I was actually scheduled for open heart surgery. And my dad's best friend called me. He works at Baylor Medical in Dallas. And he was like, hey, man, you can only crack your chest open a few times. Every single time is a risk. Uh, I would really, really like it. He's like a second father to me. I would really like it if you would come see the cardiologist here because they're some of the top of the world. Like people fly in from all over the world to go to that group of cardiologists. So I took my disc of the, my surgery and when I was in Nashville. I took that disc because they, they recorded the whole thing. And 
their top specialist in Dallas went ahead and watched the video. He said he was 80% sure that he could do it. I was like, I'm good with that. That's enough. That's enough of a percentage for me to cancel open heart surgery and give it a shot. And so this, the surgery was successful. I mean, he, he ended up getting in and it took about two and a half hours for him to, for him to do it. And so, so I was good, right? That was April 3rd, 2020. And so now fast forward to April 4th, 2021, it was Easter last year. My girlfriend and I, we get up and we head to a gym about 30 minutes away because a couple of my buddies wanted to work out. So we get there, we hit some legs and then they wanted to play basketball. Well, really there was one of the guys who's really, really good basketball player and I beat him in a shooting contest and he didn't like that too much. So since we were, we had just met back up, he wanted uh, a chance to redeem himself. So I go down there, you know, we, we all went down there and we were going to shoot around, but there were these other, there were these three other people on the other side of the court and they wanted to play us three on three. And I wasn't wanting to play basketball like that. I was cool about shooting around. Like that was fine with me, but I was about 245 pounds and I was putting on size so I could start cutting the plan was to start cutting like for the summer, you know, you lose all the body fat, get shredded. I was, the plan was to start that April 15th. And again, we're April 4th. So 11 days away and um, it's about 245 pounds. I'm not in shape to play basketball, have low top shoes on because just went there to hit a workout, no anticipation of playing basketball like that, but I went ahead and played anyway. And my, I was having trouble breathing, but in my mind, it's because I'm out of shape. So we get done playing three games. My girlfriend and I were walking out of the gym, and I noticed I'm, I'm, I got a pretty bad pain in my chest. I guess I, it wasn't too bad, but there's pain. And I'm having a little bit of a hard time breathing. I'm starting to get a, a little bit of a headache. And, uh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, and my arm was starting to go numb. And I'm like, man, this is just weird. So get in the car, start driving. The headache's getting really – all the symptoms are getting worse. The headache was brutal. So pull over to the gas station, again, about 10 minutes in, to get some, like, Advil. Uh, and I'm not big on taking stuff like that, but, I mean, this headache was excruciating. So I was like, cool, I'll get some Advil. So take it. But it, all the symptoms are just – they are getting really, really bad. And I told my girlfriend, I'm like, babe, something is not right. And she says, or I guess she asks, she's like, does it feel like the first time you had your heart attack? And I immediately said no. And Ouch. then I started thinking about it. I was, what, that would scare yeah, the heck out I, of you, wouldn't it? Oh, my gosh. I can't even. Like, when you said that, I got chills thinking about it. I mean, it, I, you, you just can't even imagine. And I don't wish it on anybody. So, again, at first I'm like, no, it, it, no, it's not. But then I was just like, man, after about five seconds of black, because when she said that, now I'm starting to really think about it and like dialing my mind into how I felt at the airport. And I was like, you know what? Actually, it does, except this time it's not going away. It's getting worse. And I told her, I said, baby, I want to go to an ER clinic. So she said, let's go. And remember, it's Easter. So we were living in Austin, Texas at the time. And normally the traffic is horrible. But because it was Easter, there were no cars on the road. Again, I'm getting like I, I keep getting more and more chills thinking about because I'm I'm really like going back to the day, and I'm I'm getting vivid uh, imagery of how everything was going. Like my exact turn to her, saying what I said, the look on her face when she said, "Let's go!" Like everything is coming back. So I get on my phone and I go to my maps on my phone, and I look up an ER clinic. There's one five minutes away, so this is not a hospital, right, you know, or like an ER room. This is like a care now and like an urgent care place. So I end up getting there in five minutes, and I pull up to the front. I run inside, and I'm like uh, – or they ask me, they're like, sir, how can we help you? And I said, man, I'm pretty sure I'm having a heart attack. And then this still gets me, and usually we laugh about it, but the guy asked me for my ID. And in my mind, I'm just like – I just told you I think I'm having a heart attack. Like, can you please rush me to the back and let's figure this out? And so I actually, I forgot my wallet in the car. So I had to run back out to get my car. And say, so I told my girlfriend, we hadn't let the dogs out yet. I asked my girlfriend, I was like, hey, baby, you know, please, will you go to the house, let the dogs out, and I'll see you in a bit. Like, my mindset, I'll be home in an hour or so. 
And so she's like, yeah, for sure, because she didn't want to tell me she was staying, I guess. But, you know, I, uh, I'm so grateful that she did, and she literally stayed the entire time. But so she was still outside, obviously. So I got my wallet, ran inside, gave them my ID, and they did do me a little bit of grace by letting me fill out paperwork later on. Actually, I think uh, my girlfriend filled out the paperwork while I was in the room. But so they rushed me to the back and they get me hooked up to an EKG, which is what reads your heart and lets them know what's going on. And I'll never forget the look on the doctor's face uh, when he got the readings, like when the, the testing was showing him what was going on. And he was just like, sir, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you are suffering a severe heart attack right now. Wow. And, and you were running. You have said that a couple of times and I, I clenched my chest again. It's like, what? You're having a heart attack yeah. and you're running back and forth to the car. I wanted to smack I know. you just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I, in my mind, I'm, I'm very big on mindset. And, and for me, I was telling myself, it's not a severe heart attack. Doctors exaggerate. I've already had one of these before. It's no problem. I'll be walking out of here soon. That, that's what I was thinking about. Uh, so they lay me down. They, I mean, I got all these things hooked up to me. They probably have every person in that clinic in my room. I mean, the, my room was full of people, and they're all doing whatever they're doing which, of course, they're trained to do what they're doing. So, I mean, they know. I, mean, I don't know what they're doing, but they know what they're doing. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, – <laughs> anybody out there who's listening, don't do what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> so, as I said before, uh, we don't lost run. my brother. I'm going to tell you, don't run back yeah, and yeah, forth yeah, anywhere. Don't run. So Get there's your heart that. going more. Yes, yeah, <laughs> don't – yeah, that, that's tip one, don't run. But, um, no, so – I sent my mom a text message. I said, Mom, I'm having a severe heart attack right now. And then I put my phone down. Like, why would you do that? I, uh, but, you know, so it's so crazy. I was thinking about this a few days ago. I was, like, really – I forget exactly what happened. But anyway, this came into my mind. And for me, I was like, you know what? I told her that, and I said it the way I said it. And being so casual about it, because in my mind, they were really exaggerating, and I was going to be walking out of there in an hour. Like, I wasn't thinking that what was going to happen soon after that was going to happen. Like, in my mind, I truly was going to be walking out of there. So for me, it was no problem to shoot my mom that text message. And, y'all, like, we lost my little brother uh, December 26, 2019. And so yeah, just after thinking about it, I was like, man, I can't believe I would send her that text message. But that's what was going through my head. Again, I'm going to be out of here in no time. And, like, that was it. But anyway, my girlfriend got a hold of her. She came up there. But, yeah, so back to the story. So I'm laying on the table, and I was communicating with them how I was feeling. I was like, okay, I'm feeling better. The pain's gone away a little bit. Okay, the pain's coming back. Okay, I'm having a little bit easier of a time breathing now. Okay, I'm having a really hard time breathing now. But then it got to a point where I, I actually, I felt myself as if I was about to die. Like I was, I felt my breath uh, going to zero. And I was like, I told them, I was like, I feel like I'm about to die. Y'all going to do something. Please help me. And I asked God to help me. I said, God, please help me. And that's when, uh, it, it was, and everybody was like, what did you see? All that good stuff. And it was as if I went to sleep. And I died on that table for roughly 40 seconds. The nurse told me two weeks after. I, I met up with her with my mom and my girlfriend, uh, the nurse that saved my life, which all you nurses out there, man, thank you so much for what you do. I, I, I always had an appreciation for nurses, but that day took it to – a whole different level. I'm getting emotional. You're not alone. I actually, yeah. <laughs> I have a, a paper towel sitting on my desk, and I'm wiping my tears. I don't even know why it's here. It's never here. It just, I guess, it needed to be. So I'm there it's, with I've you. I've told the story so many times. I, uh, it's like you just never know what's the feelings that are going to come up. But um, no, I just, no. uh, yeah. So. So I hear my name being called, like, Jason, Jason. And uh, I open my eyes, 
and the doctor's like, welcome back, sir. She just saved your life. And I, 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 what's crazy, I couldn't move my body, like my upper body or my legs. Uh, but I was able to open my eyes finally and then move my head. And then I could move my upper body, but I still couldn't move my lower body. And while I'm moving my upper body, I'm, I'm talking to the nurse. I'm like, you just saved my life. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of dumbfounded because, again, it's like I, I took a nap. Like, I went to sleep. And she's like, yes, sir. And I, I was like, thank you so much. Like, I, you know, obviously that's what I'm going to say. I didn't know what to say or what to think. I, I just, that's why I was just like, well, thank you. I said, thank you for saving my life. And, uh, and, and then I kind of started freaking out a little bit because I couldn't move my lower body. And they're like, sir, you got to calm down. And the paramedics are, they've been there waiting on me, I guess, to, you know, rush me to the hospital for when they woke me up. And uh, then I was able to move my lower legs or my lower body, my legs. Thank you. know, thank you, God. And uh, because I'll tell you this, I actually talked to somebody not too long ago. They had a widow or their somebody close to their family had a widow make a heart attack and they're blind now. Like they can't see because so for those of you who aren't familiar with the widow maker heart attack, they call it the widow maker because if somebody has a heart attack there, somebody's about to be a widow. So it's the left side of the heart, and that's the part of the heart that funnels the entire body of blood flow and oxygen, and it cannot defib itself. So if you have a heart attack there, you have got to get to a defibrillator. Like, you know, if you die, you have got to get to a defibrillator because if you don't, like, there's this, you die. There's no hope. You have to be shocked. And so, yeah, so while I was out, she defibbed me, and, uh, and she did CPR. And by the grace of God, I came back. And uh, I don't take it lightly. I live every day with more intent and purpose and living in excellence and a standard of excellence than ever before. But, yeah, so back to the story. We're almost done with it. But they, the paramedics get me on the stretcher. They put me in the ambulance. I see my, uh, <laughs> I see my girlfriend come around. Uh, like where I'm at where the doors open and I was like babe I just died and she starts bawling I'm crying my eyes out and uh, they rushed me to the hospital and they gave me prep for surgery they rushed me for surgery and I want you all to understand too when you have not just a heart attack but a heart attack like what I experienced people will have multiple heart attacks over nonstop, and they'll have you know a lot of people they'll have another heart attack on the way to the hospital in the ambulance that ends up being fatal, right? So it's just when when you look at all of these things and how everything happened, it's just unbelievable. Like I don't know what else I don't know how else to look at it but God or higher power, whatever it is that you all believe. So I get to the hospital so they you know they get me prepped, they get me in surgery. I'm done in fifteen minutes. I get sent to ICU where I was in ICU for three days and man, we're talking like I was just a wreck for, for days. And it's why I was still trying to work. And my girlfriend was like, baby, please rest. Like, stop. I'm calling and checking on my team. And just, I got I'm laughing because I would up. do the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'm checking yeah, on When you're a workaholic, like, no. you're an A-type. Like, stop. Yes. You know, a heart attack doesn't slow us down. <laughs> I mean, no, I, think, uh, I don't bone. plan on having yeah. one, but I totally get it. I'm laughing because yeah, like, I would do the same. Shame on me. Yeah. And yeah, so what, what's fascinating about Debbie, the nurse that saved my life, which I need to get her a copy of my book. So she doesn't normally work at that clinic. She would only work there, like, I don't know, a couple, a few times a month. She's normally at the hospital, at the ER, in the ER unit or whatever you want to call it, area of the hospital, and uh, she specializes in heart attacks. And she was there that day when I came in, and it was on Easter. And on the third day of being in ICU, they transferred me to a regular room, and before I could get discharged, they had to have somebody come in with the machine and test my heart you know, to see how everything's doing before they let me go, obviously. So they come in, finally, after hours of waiting, they come in, they test my heart, pump function normal, no damage to my heart. I walked out of the hospital on the third day, literally walked out, 
as if nothing happened. You truly are it's a unbelievable. miracle. And all the, yeah. I mean, it's unreal. And we we toss around that word miracle a lot. To me, everything's a miracle. We're breathing. That's a miracle. Yeah. We wake up in the morning. That's a miracle. But you were where you needed to be with the right people that were there to care for you. It it almost sounds like it was synchronized, doesn't it? Everything. Every single piece of it, it being Easter, no traffic, being so close, you know, where I was. I mean, what if I was in the middle of nowhere, you know, like where I was hours away from the clinic. I mean, who knows? I, I look at this all the time. What if I was snowboarding in the mountains? And I, I, I think about that stuff all the time. And that's what I'm like, God has a bigger purpose for me than I ever imagined. And it's time to stop messing with my life. It's time to stop playing. It's time to stop living in average. Uh, and it's time to go live my best life. And living my best life is helping other people live theirs and understanding their true potential and that they do matter, that they are worthy, that they are here for a purpose. So many people are, they're, they're beaten up and I don't mean physically, which that does happen, but mentally they're told, no, they can't do it. They're not worth it. All of these things. And I'm here to do the exact opposite. Uh, and through my story and, and my brother's story, because I mean, you know, he, he made a, he made a bad decision and didn't wake up. Gotcha. Well, and here's the thing, and we didn't really get to this, I don't think, but and thank you for sharing that story. And I've read it, I've talked with you before, and it's still just, now I know why that paper towel's sitting there. I must have known that I was going to need it. I'm looking at that going, where did you even come from? Well, it needed to be here, but you and I have talked about this, so I'm I'm aware of your code of behavior. I've read the book. But what people don't understand, I don't think I really got it, got that far in, in the introduction, but you are also a health and wellness expert. So let's talk yeah, about that, that because works. I think that's, that's where <laughs> you're really showing up now. Yeah, that's why earlier when you said health and wellness expert, I, I kind of laughed because it's just uh, even though we know to do certain things and not to do certain things, we still make choices. We still have choices, and we still make choices that we know we shouldn't. And it's like, for what? Why do we do that? Uh, and I, I've analyzed that, and I've looked into it, but I've been, I've been drug-free for a, for a long time now, and it feels great. And I, I got a couple quotes. You don't have to die to decide to live. Um, and that one is so powerful to me because, I mean, it's a, it's a straight fact. Like that is what truly got me to living the life that I am now, which is just taking things to a whole like a whole new height. And, and I always knew that I could, but I just I wouldn't. That's probably my my favorite quote. You don't have to die to decide to live. Yeah, and then I one of my favorites. Say, but I can't think of it right now. Well, one of my favorites, honestly, is Napoleon Hill and. This is on page 138. Whatever the mind can conceive and believe it can achieve. I'm a fanatic yes, about Napoleon Hill. In fact, one of my very dear friends was the last mentee of Napoleon Hill, Ben Gay III. Oh. Um, he sat in an office for a year and a half with Napoleon Hill, who looked at everything wow. he did and guided him. It's a fascinating story. But you, you brought this up early, early on that, you know, you – Mindset. Look, I firmly believe in mindset. It's my mind. I'm going to handle it. But you just didn't believe you were going to die. You didn't believe that anything horrible was going to happen to you, meaning that you would die. I mean, yeah, you went through some trials and tribulations, no question. But you came out of it still alive and a much better, stronger, giving person. Oh, it's changed my life forever. And I, I'm I'm grateful for it. Actually, I'm grateful that everything happened and that it happened the way it did. I wouldn't change a thing. What's crazy about the whole thing? People, I like, mean, how you're so fit? How do you have? How how did you have a heart attack? Like, how is that possible? And uh, I made a lot of bad choices year after year after year that led to uh, that led to it happening. And I'll tell you, we all, we all think we're invincible until we're not. We all think, oh, that'll never happen to me. I would always get blood work done every year. I would get blood work done. 
and everything would come back perfect. And I'm like, I would literally think of Superman, like nothing can stop me. I'm immune to all of that happening. Like I can keep doing these things. I can keep making these choices, even though I know we're not supposed to, I'm Superman <laughs> until we're not. Well, you're not alone. Listen, I've always thought from the time I could breathe that I was invincible. I know better, uh-huh. but I still think it. I do. I truly believe well, that whatever so. comes my way, I can rise above it, go around it, kick the snot out of it, bunt tunnel under it, but I'm going to make it. That's the end philosophy. That's the end philosophy yeah. no matter what. You put an object in yeah. its way and it goes around. It maneuvers and figures it out. Uh, but, yeah, I'll tell you, God waking me up truly woke me up. God waking me up that day truly woke me up to uh, to my my reasons for being here, to my potential, and, it, it, again, it changed my life. So tell me about the book, because this is a pretty powerful book. It's easy to read. Yeah, I like quick, easy reads that I can just go, oh, yes, ma'am. grab my little marker pen and start marking the heck out. You ought to see it. It's got all kinds of sticky notes in it. But you talk about goals. You talk about the code of behavior. You talk about understanding our codes. You know, codes uh-huh. are fascinating to me. Being average, are you stuck in average? When did you write this book, and what made you write this book? Because clearly something told you write that darn book. Yeah, so after what happened happened, uh, I got a phone call, and that phone call changed everything. And then got after it and uh, got the book done in about seven and a half months or so. But yeah, it was just, it dawned on me like I you know when I was at ICU and just other times. Of course, I, I still think about that day, but when it's really really fresh, you're doing a lot of thinking. Plus, it's like you can't work out for X amount of days, or it was I think it was ten days. I couldn't go to the gym. I, I couldn't do certain things, and so. I was spending a lot of time reading and reflecting and it was just like, man, our, you know, our behaviors, like everybody has a code. There's a, every, every organization, friend group, everything, there's a code of behavior. And I was like, man, nobody's ever called it that. I'm going to be the first one to do it. And it's like, what code are you operating from? And I was like, man, all these choices, all these decisions that I've made in my earlier years led me to that day. And it's just like, it's so fascinating. And then I start looking at, okay, who am I hanging out with? <laughs> people that match my future, people that match my past, people that match where I want to be in life, people that match where I don't want to be in life. People that I look at and I was like, I, I can't believe they're doing stuff like that. Like, you know, I started really analyzing everything, and I was like, man, my code of behavior has been jacked up in every aspect, and uh, it's time to change that. So I uh, had to get that book out, had to get it out, and uh, I'm glad I did. I got number one international bestseller now, and we're just getting started. also have a course, and now I'm, I'm actually – I got a team I'm working with. I'm about to launch some high-ticket coaching, uh, and I, I'm really excited for what's to come. But here's the thing. So – I mean, I had a trash bag of clothes and lived in my buddy's living room when I got started on my entrepreneurial journey. My business does millions of dollars a year now. I don't care what it is that you do. I have the tools. Like, I, I've personally gone through it. I've, <laughs> I've experienced a lot of things, and I'm sure there's a lot more for me to experience. But for your entrepreneurs, like, just getting started, even intermediate, you know, almost to the six-figure, making most six figures, like – I know that I can co- – even people that don't have good – do, they do well financially, but they don't have good relationships, you know. Like I can coach people on all of these things. So in the next like couple of weeks, I got some really cool stuff launching um, where I could be a, a vessel for people out there. I can just really pour into people, help people, and, and, and that's – and I, I'll tell you this. I, I, do, I do a lot of stuff for free. I, I do. I mean, I, it's uh, – it's it's a passion of mine, but it's also a, a great business, and I I mean you know our time is valuable, so I I do know that, but, but yeah, it'll it'll still be an affordable thing for people. And thank you. And when at the end of the show, I'm starting to stutter. At the end of the show, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm scribbling. I'm going, oh my god, this is such a story that I I'm almost speechless and. 
you don't know me that well, but that's unusual for me to be speechless. Yeah. I'll take <laughs> it's it. It's <laughs> not often that I lose my words. But I'm looking at the book, and you've got it's, you know, the book, of course, is The Code of Behavior, Five Essentials to Unlocking a Life of Extreme Inspiration, Unlimited Confidence, and Endless Victory. We've got about nine minutes. Can you touch on each of those five? The five essentials, yeah. So you've got goals, desires, discipline, confidence, and action. You want me to go like a, a little bit of detail on each of them? I, I feel yeah, like yeah, I mean, if you would. Touch a little because bit. obviously yeah, I want so, people to go by the book, read the book. I want them to right. pay attention to what it is that you've got coming up that will help them. But let's touch on those. And we don't have to go into a whole lot of detail. I want them to read the book. Yeah, the book is no, I'll give a yeah, I'll give a very brief synopsis, I guess, if you will. Maybe even smaller than that. But yeah, so goals, right? So I had never really set goals for my life, like really anything. It's like, okay, I want to be really successful. But that's not a goal. It's like a one day or someday. That's not a day. Like you, you need to put a date, when do you want to accomplish it, and what is it that you want to accomplish, right? So having goals is so crucial because you can't hit a target that you don't have. And, and yeah, so, so those are for goals, right? And I always tell people have a one-month goal, have a three-month goal, a six-month goal, a one-year goal, a three-year, five-year, and it's great to work backwards on that, right? And then you have desire. So do you wake up with a burning desire to make it happen, or is it just another day? Is it Gosh, I got the, you know, it's the mon- it's a Monday and I hate Mondays. Or is it a thank God it's Monday, a new week, a new day to attack opportunity? Who am I going to help today? Right? So having a true desire to achieving your goals. And so and I always tell people, you want to have a really strong why, and I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's one thing to hear it and it's one thing to really find that why. And your why will change over time. Uh, and don't be fake with your why. It sounds great to be like, oh, you know, I want to retire my grandma. But, like, if that doesn't wake, like, you don't, you wake up without an alarm clock and you're so fired up to go after your goals because of a burning desire to achieve it, like, for why you want to achieve it, if you don't have that, it's, that's not your true why. And then discipline. I'm going to tell you right now, I have discipline tattooed on the side of my neck. It used to be my license plate, but I think I lost it. I forgot to renew it. I think somebody got it. Um, But discipline is everything. And I'm going to tell you this. There's going to be more days that you don't feel like doing something than you do. It's just about you just have the discipline. You just go do it. It's no ifs, ands, or buts. And, And I'll tell you, your goals don't care how you feel. Right, your goals and emotions that you got to keep those separate. Like you just go out there and grind. There, there's no excuses, and that's pretty much how I live my life. Um, confidence. I'll tell you this: it's so important to celebrate small wins. Like waking up. If you've never read the book Make Your Bed, it's so incredible because I'm going to tell you right now: when you wake up and you make your bed, you've done something. That's an accomplishment. And when you achieve something, it makes you feel better, right? And it, I'm going to tell you right now. Making your bed, it is an accomplishment. Most people don't do it. When I go to a, when I stay at hotels, I'll make my bed. And people are like, you're crazy. I do, you too. Have housekeeping. Like, I don't and care. When I check out, like, when I'm getting ready to check yeah. out, I strip the bed. I take everything and I oh. put it in a pile. I mean, that's just the yeah. way my mama taught me. I mean, and I, yeah, and I, I was just going to say, I've always been taught, leave it better than you found it, right? So, I'm, like, if I have trash, which I'm pretty good about keeping up, you know, keeping up, throwing trash as I go. But if I have trash around, like, I'm picking it up, I'm throwing it away and making sure everything's organized, you just feel good, right? And I, so, so back to the achieving things, it, but even the small things, right? It releases dopamine. It's like a dopamine hit, and you feel good about it. And so you keep celebrating small wins. You don't have to, like – Go do the craziest thing, like a huge goal, and that gives you confidence. Of course, I mean, it will, but it takes a little bit of time to get there, right? You're not just going to have a huge win. And so you celebrate your small wins, which will give you confidence and will help you get to the big win, right? And then uh, essential five is action. I'm going to tell you right now, like, knowledge is not power. It's applied knowledge is power, and that's something that I live by. Man, there's people out there, it's like, oh, you know, do the personal development. I've got to read. I've got to watch YouTube videos, motivational videos, podcasts. And they do nothing different with their life. 
It's like, how do you expect things to change if you don't change? Jim Rohn, if you want things to get better, you got to get better. If you want things to change, you got to change. You can't keep doing the same things expecting different results. Definition of insanity, right? So we got to get into action. So you start listening to things. You start learning new information, which helps to evolve as long as you're putting what you're learning into action. Like you can read my book and change nothing, and you will get the life you've always had. You can read my book and apply, and I don't want to put a guarantee on it, right, disclaimer, but I can almost guarantee that your life will start looking a lot different in a positive way if you apply the things and get into action with what you learn in my book. I also have a workbook, too, that you get with my course. So, yeah, those are the five essentials, though. Goals, desire, discipline, confidence, and action. And, of course, through all of them, I mean, it's my book, you know, so through all of them, I go into a lot more detailed things, uh, life lessons, my own experiences. So, yeah, you got to go get my book. <laughs> you do. It's a must-have in the library. <laughs> yeah, I think you can probably. If it's in... If you don't have a library card or you do have a library card, you can borrow a lot of books online from your library. I think a lot of people don't know that. But you were talking about Making Your Bed, and I instantly flashed on uh, Make Your Bed by Admiral McRaven. And you can find it on YouTube. You know, He basically says if you want to Uh change the world, start off by making your bed. And I listened to that years ago, and I go back probably annually and listen to it again. And something you said about that is like, look, if you make your bed, it does kind of change your outlook. I mean, you're you're leaving your room, you make your bed. I don't know about you, but I always look back and kind of smile like, woo, Denise. And it's it's the, it's stepping stones. Now I want to go do something. Yeah, and else. when you get home, make me smile. When you yeah, well, I'm yeah, always home. Sure. And yeah. when you get home, do you have a clean bed? Oh yeah, you are. <laughs> I'm gone all the time. But yeah, when you come home, you get to the hotel, that that bed is made, and you did it. It feels, it feels good. It does, and it seems like such an insignificant thing, but it's not. You did it. It's a stepping stone. Now you're going to go do something else that makes you feel like, you know, you're you're moving. You're doing something good, and you got that sneaky little smile on your face. Trust me. Turn around, look yes. at that pretty made bed, and you've got a smile. You don't even recognize it, but you're smiling. Amen. And and when you when you do something small and you celebrate the win, it will make you want to feel that again. And so you'll go get another small win in your day, and it'll happen fast. And that's part of getting into action. This is all exactly. of them. So, exactly. Yep. Listen, Jason, we're, we're just about out of time. Remember the first time we spoke, I said this is the fastest hour on the Internet. I, it always is. Because yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> these conversations are so fascinating. But before I let you go, first of all, is there anything else you want to share with the audience? Um, you're, you're not listening to this on accident. It is definitely, uh, in purpose, on purpose, as are you, and you can make anything happen in this world that you want to. You just got to get after it, believe in yourself and, uh, and go get my book. <laughs> <laughs> and mine's everything. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, mine's go get the book. everything for sure. <laughs> yes, Tell people ma'am. where the they can find you. The code of behavior on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. I'm sorry, so I was interrupting you. The website. Code of Behavior is the book. Jason uh, Nemes, The Code of Behavior, go get that book. Okay, Jason, now it's your yeah, turn to yeah, talk, yeah. and I won't interrupt. Yeah, so the book is on – most people get it on Amazon. I also have an Audible version on iBook, which is the book application, the book app for Apple, and it's also on Audible. So uh, you can find me at Tatted Press. So – my IG, well, actually, everything, TikTok, all of it, it's T-A-T-T-E-D, like tattooed, tatted, and then P-R-E-Z-Z-Z, so there's three Zs, so tatted prez. And because it's for presidential and tatted, so tatted prez. So with the company I'm in, it represents the top 1%, so that's kind of a tatted prez. And my website is www.jasonlnemis.com. And the last name is spelt N is in Nancy, E M is in Mary, E S is in Sam. So www.jasonlnemis.com. And I, by the way, anybody listening, I love to do speaking engagements for corporations, speaking engagements for schools, for middle schools, for high schools, 
And, uh, yeah, so if you are a part of any of that, definitely hit me up and let me know. I would love to come out and speak for you all. Jason, thank you. It has been wonderful speaking with you, and I'm I'm still clutching my heart. I feel like a big baby right now, but this has been (laughs) absolutely fascinating. Yes, thank you so much for having me on here again. I, I, I truly am so appreciative of you. And many blessings to the top 1% you go. (laughs) Thank you. Listen, everybody, before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience, number one, go get that book, seriously. I've got, and I've, I've said this before, in this room where I am, this is my office, has been ever since I bought this house the week after Hurricane Katrina, believe it or not. And I've got hundreds of books in this room, and every single one of them, came from my guests, every single one. There are no outriders out here. Each one of these books came from people like Jason. Find them, read them, read this book. It's important. So before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes, Audible, Stitcher, everywhere. I mean, seriously, you cannot throw a stick on the Internet without hitting your part in Success Radio. So find us and take us along on your journey. And Jason, again, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Denise. Uh, again, I'm so grateful, and until next time. Definitely. And thank you to all the listeners. I appreciate y'all for being here and for everybody who's going to listen in the future. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. 